This episode of That Does It, Madam, is brought to you by the Tingling Personal Burglar Alarm Company. Each bell has its own unique note, perfect for discos, pickpockets, or nighttime intruders. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about are you being served? Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Hello Mr. Mr. Jeff. Hello, Unanimous. Another day, another week, another episode of Are You Being Served? How are you doing this evening now that we have um, a somewhat stable government and an inaugurated president and vice president and a cabinet forming and more vaccine on the way? Yeah. Hey, um, I- I'm not going to say um, good times are here again or whatever, but, <laughs> you know, it's certainly getting better. So, um, you know, I- I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I think our unanimous Are You Being Served podcast fans uh, are behind all the good karma that's apparently coming to fruition. So here's to you, Unanimous. Well done. I would certainly like to think so. Thank you very much, Unanimous, <laughs> for uh, continuing to uh, support us throughout this entire time, um, continuing to interact with us on Facebook and Twitter and leave us reviews. Um, it really kind of boosts our confidence and yeah. a little bit of the Tinkerbell effect. Uh, you know, we thrive off of applause and adulation. I'm clapping for you, Tinks. <laughs> I'm clapping for you. So um, we've got two things we've got to acknowledge from the last podcast. Jeff, the first how is, could you? I mean, the com- first is I don't know how <sighs> I kept referring to Dairy Girls as Belfast. I think that we were talking about setting up the joke that Fanula had to fly out of Belfast because that's the airport she would have gone out. They're of. all and Irish. I kept talking it's about confusing, it. you know, right? So Jeff made a joke in the last episode, the junior, and he got all flummoxed and got all caught up with his pearls and stuff. You ruined it all. <laughs> You're right. but human, Jeff. And then something that I had no idea that happened that I just learned about after the episode. Um, so I was talking about this really um, uh, this really rare song that came out in college radio and a little bit of crossover to Top 40 in the early 90s called The Sweater. And it was sang by uh, Marin Kandel. Well, sang is really generous because it was a spoken word song okay. uh, uh, by Marin Kandel. And um, this song came out in 1992. And I found out that they transitioned to being a trans man in 2003. Oh. So uh, I used the wrong pronouns without even knowing it. So uh, even though the names changed, the pronoun, the name hasn't changed, the pronouns have. So there you go. There you go. The more you know. Um, a couple of thank yous out to the unanimous. Uh, as as always, we appreciate you know uh, a back of uh, a back and forth uh, communication, not just us talking to me, but to you folks, but you speaking back. So we've been hearing some really cool stuff on the Facebook page, as always. Um, and you know, if you wanted to give a little love, you can always go to our Facebook page and leave a lovely review, like every podcast you listen to asks for. Um, also on Apple Podcasts, we've gotten some amazing reviews, uh, five stars. Thank you very much for those folks. And uh, we've gotten a lot of love on Twitter. 
which is slightly blowing up, maybe a little, maybe. Um, we've been chatting with Goldilocks and this really cool site called OnlyPod and emails. And we, we heard from our, our dear friend, our, our, our dear, dear friend, dear friend. Our, what I'm trying to say, um, our uh, classic original unanimous member. She was blowing up our, our voicemail during the election every day, which was wonderful. From Kimberly, did we not, Mr. Jeff? We did. We did indeed, Mr. Brandon. We did indeed. Uh, Kimberly, uh, our roving reporter from Houston, uh, gave us a little bit of uh, details about the connection between Butch Cassidy and Sundance, that they might have been metamors. Is that where someone who like can transform their body into a, a falcon, a metamorph? <laughs> metamorph? <laughs> Uh, no. So metamor is when your partner has another partner that you're not interested in or, or connected to. Okay, well, why don't we uh, play a little bit of her clip? This is Kimberly from Houston. I'm calling about episode 39. I'm a little behind. The references and other parts of pop culture to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, that probably comes from the fact that Edda Price was their, both of them were her lover. Some people say at different times, some people say they were at the same time. And in the movie, there is a montage of when they're fleeing the U.S. to go to Bolivia. And it looks like honeymoon pictures, but it's all three of them, not just uh, Sundance and Etta, who were together at that point. Hope that helps. Thanks, as always, Kimberly, for that great roving reporting. We are happy to hear from the you. The roving reporter. Uh, <laughs> right. So apparently both Butch and Sundance were romantically involved with the same woman at the same time. <laughs> and please, the rest of you unanimous, uh, even though we're all f- soon going to get a jaxie full of vaccine, please continue to wear a mask, wash your hands, and remember that Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Hooray. And you've all done very well as well. All right. So, Mr. Jeff, what are we doing today? Why are we all listening to this podcast about Are You Being Served? What's going on? Well, tonight we're going to talk about Series 7, Episode 2, Strong Stuff, This Insurance. Hmm. And it originally premiered on October 26th, 1979. And that week in the news, Walt Disney World in Florida welcomed their 100 millionth guest. That's a lot of happy people. That's a lot of magic and imagineering going on. The Guinness Book of World Records presented Paul McCartney with a rhodium disc as the all-time best-selling singer-songwriter. Whoa. So I guess titanium and platinum weren't good enough. They had to go rhodium. <laughs> They're having to create new periodic table elements <laughs> right. for Paul McCartney. Good <laughs> love Paul McCartney. Well done. And in somewhat more uh, dismal news, uh, Park Chung-hee, the president of South Korea, was assassinated by the Korean Central Intelligence Agency director Kim Jae-gu. Uh, Park had taken office after a coup in 1961 and declared martial law in 1972. Uh, Kim declared that his act was one of patriotism, and Kim was um, eventually was eventually executed for his assassination. Jeez. So some turbulent times in Korea at those days. Yeah, and it was a crazy week back then, but. Um I'm glad the crew of Grace Brothers can get up to their usual antics otherwise. So why don't we open the stage? What are we looking at when the episode begins, Mr. Jeff? 
So Mrs. Slocum is finishing serving a customer uh, who purchased one disco fever dancing skirt and one pair of fluorescent tights. And then she tries to interest her in a pair of uh, bloomers that have bells on the end, courtesy of the Tingling Company, our sponsor this week. Thank you for the sponsorship. Uh, they go great for the discos when you can't find your partner in the dark. Uh, Ms. Brahms chimes in that he'll find you by your ding-a-ling. So, <laughs> I think uh, she says by your tingling, does she not? Oh, she does. She does indeed. That's, That's right. That's not what you said, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. And this, and this is going to be a button that we're going to revisit several times uh, in this episode for uh, humor throughout uh, with most of the staff members wearing them, right? <laughs> um, I may be wearing my pair right now. Can you imagine if we made like a podcast branded tingling disco pants for the show? Would be, would you all <laughs> buy it if it said like, I'll cross the ass, you know, that does suit madam <laughs> in like pink or Would that be your eighth costume for the conference, for the convention? Oh, no, no, no. No, no. no, no that's that's, that's just that? a line too far for me, of course. So over on the gents' counter, a different customer is looking for a dressing gown for her husband. Uh, the actress is Geraldine Gardner, and she was best known for a 1973 movie, Not Now, Darling. Uh, she did not make any return to Grace Brothers after that, and she's not part of the Croft and Lloyd troupe. Oh, I think she was. She did star, in a, she was uncredited in the sequel to Not Now, Darling with I Have a Headache. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Comedy, comedy, thank you, thank you. Tip your waiter, try the veal. Um, we're seeing we're seeing a continuity here that you know in season six they started to cast a lot of extras that were not part of the Croft and Lloyd troupe, and yeah. we're seeing that because we haven't had a visitor uh, from a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Captain Peacock is trying to direct this customer, and Mister Goldberg can't serve right now because he's stretching a bowler for a customer. Continuing the great oh. tradition of Mr. Tebbs and Mr. Granger, who were too busy because they were always attending to their hats. I'm brim-steaming, right. Stephen. <laughs> Love it. So uh, Mr. Lucas uh, brings out the robe rail, which is a callback to season two, episode five, Hurrah for the Holidays. Where oh, yeah. um, Mr. Lucas, uh, where they, uh, uh, Mr. Humphreys tries on the karate, the kung fu-inspired robe and gives right. his customer a karate chop, right? Uh, and so Mr. Lucas wants to know what size the, the lady is after. We've got knee high, thigh high, and I, 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 um, and she's like, Oh, I, I like it down to about here. Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's not her line. She goes, I'm never sure what men like. And Humphreys goes, no, 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 it, it is a puzzle. Sometimes. It is. A, it is difficult. Yeah. Love him. And apparently one of the new services that they're offering is you can embroider a slogan on the seat. So just like uh, you were offering to have the tingling uh, bloomers with that does suit metal on the back, you could get, I did it my way. Anything you could do, I could do better. And then the old man walks over. Who's about like five foot nothing. And uh, (laughs) little things mean a lot, right? Because she is a tall actress. She's wearing heels and towering over her her older husband. (laughs) Um, Very cute. We learn back over on the ladies' counter when the uh, the customer finally leaves because she's thinking about it at home. Uh, that Mrs. Slocum is wearing a pair of the knickers with the bells <gasps> as well. And I love how Miss Miss Brahms brings it up. She's like, "Who would wear these tacky things?" And then Mrs. Slocum's like, "Well, maybe someone's going to the social club and wants to create a stir." And then Mrs. Miss <laughs> Brahms says, very like overly dramatic, "You don't mean." <laughs> 
That's so cute. I love shimmy, it. shimmy, shimmy, yeah. Yeah, and the and the look that Mrs. Slocum has when she like raises the hem of her dress a little bit, and then she's kind the cat like, that caught the canary. She's yeah, so and she happy, wiggles right? her hips back and forth, and she has this like amazing face. I'm trying to even like words cannot even describe it, which is bad for a podcast. Um, <laughs> so cute though. I love I love Molly Suckton. So great. Mr. Harmon comes in and he's not singing his usual roaming around the world song. Um, Thanks, Jeff Weifer, pointing that out. Yeah. Um, but he's singing another song about, isn't it nice to have friends you can rely upon? Something along those lines. We, we had all of our research department at our call center overtime. in Northern Mississippi. Overtime they were. Working overtime trying to figure this out. But we could not place the song. Uh, we did find a clip of it on YouTube with Bing Crosby and Dinah Shore singing it once. Okay. I think we'll post that on our Facebook page if, if Mr. Jeff can remind the, uh, the, the Facebook staff to, uh, to do that. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so we have no idea what it's if it's from uh, a, a film or if it was one of their singles. So unanimous, if you know about it, hit us up on uh, Facebook or the Peacock Hotline. And this let us is know. what keeps Mr. Jeff and Mr. Brandon up at night. Where did that song come from? From season seven, episode two of Are You Being Served? <laughs> I tell you. So Mr. Harmon is singing a song because he's coming onto the floor to place a chair right in the middle of the floor. And <laughs> yeah. Captain Peacock takes offense and grills him on it. And, Cap- and Mr. Harmon refers, uh, refuses to tell him anything about it. So Captain Peacock takes the chair away just as young Mr. Grace is going to sit down on it. Who almost does <laughs> yeah, yeah. himself a mischief. And Rumbled <laughs> is pissed, right? Yeah. Uh, you did that deliberately. And Captain Peacock tries to defend himself. So... Uh, they they decide that they have to take away for a privilege from Captain Peacock. Which is so for the silly, day. so silly. So they're going to remove his flower. Oh, what a <sighs> what a shameful, shameful occurrence! It's about time that he got deflowered. Quips, uh, Mr. <laughs> Lucas. So, um, so oh wait, I've got a hot take. Are you ready? Go for it. So, in a very theatrical, cute way, um, who takes the flower away from Captain Peacock? Mr. Rumble does. Mr. And then he Rumble. Hands it, and he hands it to Mr. Goldberg. Right. And then Mr. Goldberg looks around and hands it to Mr. Humphreys, who then right. instantly hands it to Mr. Lucas. And then Mr. Lucas looks around and there's no one to give it to at that point. So then he walks over to the mannequin uh, wearing underwear, the male mannequin, and he puts it in where the bulge would be. The same thing happened in the Are You Being Served film. You're Didn't right. It, it did. There was another. There, there was a very similar thing where they were playing hot potato with some kind of object, um, and they had to hide it. It was the chattering teeth. Oh, that's right. Oh my gosh! Right? And yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Mr. So Mr. Humphreys shoved it down a mannequin's wife runs. Yeah, I know it's 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 controversial, but I consider the movie canon. <gasps> I know half of the podcasting team does not, and End we meeting. have many End many meeting. arguments over this unanimous. No. But um, that's that's I'll, I'll I'll I will not fall on my sword. This is the line I've drawn in the sand. <laughs> I, I don't apologize for it, and I am unanimous in this. So the whole reason that young Mister Grace came down to the floor is to tell him about a new health scheme. Uh, the stores put together this pension bonus scheme, uh, which pays a lump sum on retirement. So a quick note for our American listeners, scheme <laughs> is not a negative word in, uh, in the UK. You know, here it kind of implies something that is uh, deceptive, yeah. but there it's just a plan. Like a right? program. 
A program of some sort, right. And quick note to the uh, people of the 21st century, how weird is it that um, <laughs> your company... is something you used to pay, yeah. Yeah, exactly. your, your employer would be like, hey, everyone, we have a new retirement pension plan that we're just going to give to you. Um, that's bullshit. <laughs> like, that, that's never going to happen again. Uh, this is a 50-year-old well, show. not in this country. Yeah, well, in, in, Amer- in the States, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So it's, it's a very dated concept here. So they get a lump sum on retirement based on their age now when they start the plan. And so we find out that Mr. Lucas and Ms. Brahms will get the full amount of 3,000 pounds. So that would be about 14,000 pounds today or about $19,000. That's a nice little something to get on retirement. It's not going to get you very far, but it's something. Humphreys gets 2,100 pounds, which is about $13,000 today. Okay. Captain Peacock gets about 1,700 pounds, which is about $11,000 today. So you can see we're going up and up in age. Yeah. And Mrs. Slocum says, well, there's not much difference in age between Captain Peacock and I. Meanwhile, she only gets 700 pounds. Instead of 1,700. (laughs) Which is worth about $4,400 today. And then Mr. Goldberg gets the nice amount of 21 pounds 52, which is about $136. (laughs) That'll buy a week's of groceries. Right. Yeah. So Grace Brothers are paying for it, but all the staff have to pass the medical exam in two weeks' time. And if they don't pass, they either have to pay themselves or just not participate. And so these these staff will do anything for uh, a little extra money because their, their wages are so horrible. So they all intend to get every last penny that they can. Totally. Yeah. Makes sense. And so uh, they're learning about uh, Mr. Grumbold is telling them about the doctor that is going to examine them. Uh, and she is a trained diagnostician, but she's also homopath- homeopathic. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's Humphreys something to look goes, forward to. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> um, we cut down to the canteen and they're eating lunch. And this is the first time we see Mr. Goldberg eating. And he's just having cabbage because he wants to have a clean bill of health for the physical. Now, he seems to know how to use a fork and knife very well, unlike Mr. Debs and Mr. Granger, because we don't get any of that dribbling. We don't get him spilling all over himself. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah. Although I really thought it was so cute when uh, Arthur Bruff would uh, dribble his soup. And I was never really sure if he was acting or if that's just how he ate soup. <laughs> no, he was acting. He was definitely acting. Yeah. I don't know. So they start to have a discussion about nutrition, and Mrs. Slocum proclaims, you are what you eat. And so Mr. Lucas goes, well, how long have you been eating sour grapes and ugly fruit? <laughs> Which That's gets a very laugh. mean, Mr. Lucas. And then she retorts, well, just as long as you've been eating sheep's brains and pig's head. <laughs> Waiter, cancel my, my, my lunch, please. Um, yeah. Captain Peacock suggests that they start an intensive course to prepare for the medical exam. But, of course, these things cost money. You know, if you get a trainer, a personal trainer at the gym, that could easily cost you 60 pounds. Yeah. Well, Mr. Humphreys has this friend. What makes you think it's a him? <laughs> um, who is a ballet dancer who might be able to give them some exercise tips for low cost or for free because um, uh, she owes him a favor. I wonder what the favor was. Do we learn? We do. Uh, he showed her that yoga pose 
that uh, gets you to the front of the bus queue really quickly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, what does he say? It, you don't have to wait very long at the bus queue when you're standing like that. So with your there you go. basically like turned yourself inside out with your ass like sticking up where your head would be. It's confusing. <laughs> so. Um, a woman comes onto the canteen floor and Mr. Harmon is giving her directions. Just go to the fourth door on the right. The gentlemen of the betting department have got their clothes off and they're waiting for you. And it turns out that's the doctor. Ooh, dishy, right. dishy. So immediately all the men get on the floor and start doing press-ups because they need to start immediately to get in shape because this doctor is going to see them in a state of undress. It's so cute that they think they can do push-ups and like suddenly be healthy in like two right. weeks. But okay. Right. And Mr. Humphreys goes, well, hang on, hang on. Why am I doing this? And Lucas reminds him, she's homeopathic. Oh, right. Okay. And he continues on with his <laughs> process. <so> stupid. <laughs> uh, so I think I need a little bit of exercise. So why don't we head on down to the canteen for the tea break and, and join them in their exercise? I'm going to grab some of that delicious cabbage and we'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. And we're back from the canteen. Uh, the manageress was taking her cigarette break, and uh, the, the cabbage was filling, yet a little too filling, if you know what I mean. What did you have, <laughs> Mr. Jeff? Uh, just some sour grapes. Yeah. I feel like I needed to match Mrs. Slocum's um, uh, expression for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Speaking of the episode, where were we exactly? So we cu- we're back up on the floor, and Mr. Harmon has set up a bar. Uh, uh, B-A-R-R-E Bowie, uh, B-U-O-Y <laughs> For them to practice uh, the, their ballet on yeah. And uh, Mr. Gillespie from the music department Is sat by the piano And he's going to accompany them, right? Live music so, and are we being served It's always live, right? Which is kind of cool in, in the later seasons, yeah Because they relied a lot on recordings In the very beginning When they had... Uh, well, and, and the, the, when they were practicing Mammy, they had to do that for the speed up and the yeah, slow down yeah. uh, gig. But um, So anyway, the, we meet the teacher who is played by Amanda Barry. Uh, and you might know her from Carry On films or playing Alma on Coronation Street. But where Brandon and I know her from is from Bad Girls, <gasps> that show from the uh, early 2000s about the prison she played Beverly, one of the Costa Cons, um, opposite Stephanie Beecham. Uh, not Bochamp, but Beecham. Not Bochamp, um, right. 
Interesting. And I'm trying to remember Alma on Coronation Street. Of course, Coronation Street's been going for like 50 years. But who was Alma? I don't remember. I, you're asking the wrong person because I'm an EastEnders guy <gasps> and I like Corey, but I, I know a little bit more about the happenings the on Albert Square than I do. issue <laughs> episode of the podcast, people. Leave meeting, right? Okay. Um, so uh, one by one, the cast come in in their costumes. <laughs> and so uh, Goldberg, Mr. Goldberg and Mr. Lucas are wearing T-shirts, black ballet tights, and ballet flats. Miss um, Brahms is wearing a blue bodysuit with a regular size tutu and ballet flats. But Mrs. Slocum comes in with a <laughs> pink bodysuit, a tutu that is way too small for her. It yeah. basically just looks like a life preserver. <laughs> S- some striped leg warmers. And she's wearing point shoes. Because if you see when she uh, starts doing her stretching exercises, you can see the sole of them, mm-hmm, yeah. how they're kind of a little bit more tough. And they're also gold uh, in color compared to everyone else's flat white, right? Did you notice when um, Mr. Um, Goldberg comes out, everyone laughs because they can see, you know, like a little bulge in his ass and ha ha ha. Um, but when he comes out, because people are just laughing and laughing, he keeps trying to say his line right? But he can't. And I'm trying to like, it doesn't sound English. It doesn't sound like it's a language. It sounds, and I remember this when I was a kid, thinking how strange the sounds he was making. It sounds like he was saying, (laughs) if you go and watch it and and listen to what he's trying to say through the audience laughter, it sounds like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> anyway, that's just one little memory I have of it. Uh, Captain Peacock and Mr. Rumbold come out, and you know they're also wearing the ballet tights and flats. Of course, Captain Peacock is wearing his ascot because he's got to separate himself course, from everybody yes, else, yes, right? Yes. And the one we've all been waiting for, Mr. Humphreys. He's got this white billowy tunic, very similar to his uh, Greek groom costume, <laughs> some gray spandex shorts over pale blue tights, and he's wearing ballet flats as well. I expected him to come out in point shoes as well for some reason. I love that he comes down from the elevator, from the lift, down the stairs, and a very dramatic reveal. Right. Everyone else, everyone else came from the change rooms, from the cloak room. Yes. But he had to, he had to make his way from the lift. Well, he's, of course, the, he's he the need, star of the show. His entrance needs to be pronounced with a bell, and he needs that extra little time coming down the stairs. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So he and his friend, the, da- the uh, dance teacher, get reacquainted, and they do a little dance as they're talking and do a lot of movement. Uh, and Captain Peacock uh, banishes Mr. Lucas over to the other bar. So there's one <laughs> bar for management for Rumbold and Peacock, <laughs> and so then stupid. everyone else has got to cram on another one, right? And I love how he says, I've been kicked out of better bars than this. Exactly. And I love yeah. when Mr. Humphreys goes up to his friend, who we never know the name of. It's just my she friend. She doesn't get a name. She yeah. doesn't get a name. I love how he says, no, she says to Mr. Humphreys, of course, they're doing this very theatrical, very flowy, you know, choreography of just standing there. And she will, you know, he'll be standing there with his hand upon his forehead being very overcome with happiness and then she will like as he's standing there she will readjust her position and like drape herself in a different position on him which is so cute and she'll say i adore your perfume and i love your aftershave which is so (laughs) cute you know and then uh, do you remember that that thing in swan lake and then as she's doing it she's sort of like 
becoming a flower that's or, uh, like a petal that's falling from the sky. And then as he says, <laughs> I do, I do remember it. He's doing it as well. It's the gayest little thing. I think it's so cute. <laughs> Love it. She starts everybody off in fifth position and asks, and tells them to plie. So that's basically where you have your feet in opposite directions and you try and get yourself as low to the ground as possible by moving with your hips and moving your knees apart. Uh, that's a pretty advanced move for people who are barely warmed up, first of all, never mind not knowing how to do ballet. True. We didn't know, uh, Unanimous, that Mr. Jeff was a uh, childhood ballet star. They were going <laughs> to call it Jeffrey Elliott, but they decided to ax it and went with Billy instead. It's a whole thing. He doesn't like to talk about it. But. Oh, my God. I am probably one of the least flexible people ever. <laughs> like, when, Do you remember having to do the presidential fitness exam in elementary school oh, PE class? Yeah. Well, I was trying to I, make President Clinton proud of me. I could never touch my toes as a kid. I was always tall and inflexible. Mm. And so to this day, um, still can't still can't get into fifth position without falling over. But uh, she has them go through some very quick exercises where they cycle through uh, third, fourth, and fifth positions. And she screeches her count, which I think makes a very memorable line in the episode. And one, and two, and, and three, three, and four. <laughs> and of so course, cute. Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas mimic it right after her, which gets a great big laugh, right? And attitude! Um, I love it. The little things that she says, and she, she'll look down at like Captain Peacock and say, very nicely done. Well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't at all, right? Uh, Mrs. Slocum tries to stretch to get her foot on the bar. She does it in one try, but she has to kind of lift her leg as she does it. I know. Um, Poor Mrs. Humphreys Slocum. does it next, and then Lucas proceeds to kick him in the middle of the gentleman's department. <laughs> <laughs> And so she's instructing them as they're kind of dancing around, keep it light and gay. Mr. Lucas, I'll I'll do the light bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they start jetting in a circle around the center display unit where the center display unit would be, except it's Mr. Humphreys just gesticulating and moving. And then out of nowhere, three other ballet dancers come in and don't do anything except pose at the end. Like, I don't understand what that was for at all. It was to make what it be was... fabulous, Joe. Come on, you know. But who Let are they? Let your gay they? come out and flourish in this scene. But who are they? Are they, <laughs> other, are they other workers that are also participating in the health scheme? Are they other uh, students that the teacher has brought along? Like, raises too many questions. Maybe they were just conjured out of the gayness of the room and it just they materialize out of fabulousness from <laughs> Mr. Humphreys. But I have to say I think it's so cute how he's Mr. Humphreys of course the star of the show is um in the center of this little kind of pagan looking circle of all these like <laughs> misfit people in different colors. And of course Mr. Rumbled wearing yellow and there's some stripes. So everything's color coordinated, very seventies and yep. bright colors. And he's just sort of he's almost like the the pestle in a beautiful flower of and and they're all the petals and what did you call me? <laughs> is that the word where the where the pollen is in that thing? Uh, anyway, it's, um, it's either the stamen or the pestle. I don't of, remember much by all. And who can tell yeah. with Mr. Humphreys? Um, <laughs> and he's so cute, and he's just loving it. And then all of a sudden, they all zoom to the stairs and become like a still life painting, which is right. so cute. Love it because that's something you do at the end of an exercise is pose. Well, that's what I do, and I love how uh, Mr. Lucas he's just caught up in the moment. He can't take it anymore. He goes and grabs the the instructor and kind of like 
carries her around in a very uh, heroic ballet kind of kind of thing. And then he does the same thing with Mr. Humphreys for comedic effect. And somehow, like, there's an inexplicably a wall of paper of, of <laughs> cardboard oh, the boxes. boxes, the cardboard boxes that came out of nowhere, for just for them to run into and fall down and then zoom over to do the last scene, which is so cute. Love it. Yeah. So two weeks goes by and we're upstairs in the medical room uh, and the nurse and the doctor are preparing for the um, gentleman and ladies department to come in. Um, the nurse is played by Joy Allen, and it's the same nurse from Cold Store, the one that took Mr. Lucas's temperature. You're normal. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, and the doctor is played by Imogen Bickford-Smith, uh, who had uh, some minor roles in other TV shows and films, but um, did not make a return to Are You Being Served or any other Croydon Loft shows. Okay. Anyway. So the doctor goes away to pick up the dressing gowns. The nurse brings the gentleman's department in and instructs them to change out of their clothes while the doctor is getting the dressing gowns. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Goldberg tries to go into the lockers in order to get changed uh, because (laughs) there's this really there's this need for some privacy when you're going to strip in front of your colleagues. Uh, And so Captain Peacock tells him not to be shy. There was a lot of stripping off when they were in the barracks. Together, remember, because they did serve in the oh, army together. Oh, right. I never put that no. together. No, don't, don't be afraid. It's just me. Uh, and so there's a waist high screen for them to change behind. So uh, Mr. Goldberg, Captain Peacock, and Mr. Lucas start to get changed. Mr. Humphreys is absent so far, right? Yes. So the nurse comes back in to see how they're doing and tells them to take everything off. And then you see three pairs of wife fronts drop to the ground. Kind of shamefully uh, at behind the same the time in unison. Right. <laughs> and so, so Mr. Lucas, being the youngest of the three, uh, and, uh, and not having served in the army, you know, is kind of embarrassed to be in the situation. Mm. Uh, he sneaks a peek over a peacock, and then all of a sudden gets a very confident grin on his face, <laughs> uh, and he stands there very proud. Right, uh, Mr. Humphreys comes in humming a little tune, and then all of a sudden he realizes that his colleagues are naked and shrieks and runs away. Right? And then Captain Peacock, of course, like stops him. You know, poor Mr. You know, when I was a kid watching this the first time, I was maybe 12 or 13. And at that time, you know, you would go into the locker room and have to go shower. And that was a kind of traumatic thing. So I definitely Mm -hmm. related to the scene when I was a kid. Yeah, no, I could totally understand that. I mean, because there there were showers in my high school, but no one ever took showers uh, after gym class. And I wanted to say, I was about to say, who? really likes that but then i realized we have a very large lgbt (laughs) community that listens to the show and i'm sure people would send us hate mail saying how dare you we all like it but you know so um mr humphrey starts to starts to strip off right um they set up his costume to prepare for a quick change because you can see that he unbuttons his vest one by one but his dress shirt, he only has to take off one button. Oh, I didn't notice so he that. Must, it must not have been buttoned underneath his vest, right? Yeah, okay. Mr. Humphreys <laughs> is wearing a pair of the, ding, of the tingling knickers as well, and he takes them off. And so he asks where the doctor is, who says, that, uh, and Captain Peacock says, she's gone to get us some hangers, at which Mr. Humphreys goes and looks over at Mr. Goldberg. <laughs> so I did not get this joke as a child, but I obviously get it now. 
Yeah. Because we're okay. older. And it's really a cute visual to see, like, Mr. Mister Goldberg, Mr. Lucas, Captain Peacock, and Mr. Humphreys. And Mr. Humphreys has, like, this red satin little fluffy kind of thing laying on the side of Frilly, the rail. right. And the other guys have just, like, eh, underwear. <laughs> yeah. It definitely matches his personality. So the ladies come into the medical room wearing robes like they're ready for a day at the spa. And um, the gentlemen are shocked because they're not wearing any clothes. And so Mrs. Slocum says, well, it's not often we get you at a disadvantage, Captain Peacock. <laughs> and Lucas lets her know, you haven't looked behind the curtain yet. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. So the ladies are, start to scheme if they should go have a peek because they might not get another chance, right? And so for the era, I think that this was pretty bold to show women being interested in sexuality and being interested in, you know, the, the male body. Uh, <laughs> we think about an earlier episode where they talk about cosmopolitan. Well, you didn't really see much anyway, right? Um, yeah. But, but um, you know, Jeff, superfan Jeff Wyatt brought up that this probably wouldn't fly today. And I have to agree, um, you know, because, you know, cis men are entitled to agency over their bodies just like anyone else is. So this would be seen as, you know, as sexual harassment. No, you're absolutely right. Today. Um I wanted to rem- – I looked up something about the scene because there was a phrase. I'm trying to remember it. It was something like, take your bottle. Oh, right. There's uh, – there's, uh, Mr. Goldberg uses the word bottle uh, in, in another context. I had just chalked that up to some kind of Cockney rhyming slang. No, it was something Miss Brahms actually said. She said something like, oh, you're all talked when you have your trousers on, but when your trousers are down, you've lost your bottle or something like that. Oh, right, because uh, what Mr. Goldberg says is, um, uh, oh, the things you see when you haven't got your gun. Oh, yeah, right? one he, of my favorite sayings. Um, so, so bottle is bottle and glass, meaning ass, right? And when you lose your bottle... It means to be so scared that you lose control of your bodily functions. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was some Cockney rhyming slam. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just want to say real quickly, this episode is like four episodes in one, right? <laughs> There's like four big things happening and they've all been sliced. So I wonder if they had a lot of ideas, a lot of cocaine. The writers they were like, <laughs> ah, ah, oh, we have to go to the dinner party. Okay, let's just get these four bits together and just tape them and say that's the episode. Because there's the, the ballroom, the, the ballet scene, then the, the scene where they're getting their results, and then there's the scene where they're um, – they're stripping naked. It's a, it's a, there's a lot going we on. We certainly do get a lot of, um, a lot of scenery changes. You know, we, we're, we've seen two new sets that we haven't seen before, the medical room and the waiting room outside of young Mr. Grace's office. Um, yeah. So I think that the, the writers were also – the writers and the set designers were getting a little adventurous with either an, an increased budget or whatever came with season seven. A lot of memorable stuff happening. I'm not complaining, Unanimous. Don't worry. I love it. But it's just something I've not, we've not seen before. So maybe we'll see more of it in season seven. So we cut to the waiting room outside of young Mr. Grace's office after the exam. Yeah. And his secretary brings in the medical report. And immediately after, Mr. Harmon brings in uh, a report that was done on his office and furniture for the insurance company. Okay. And so young Mr. Grace can't find his glasses, so he asks Harmon to read it out aloud. Quite loudly, I might add. 
So the whole staff are gathered outside, still in their robes. I don't know why they were not allowed to put their clothes back on after the medical report, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, and so uh, Peacock still has his ascot on. Note that he kept it on for the entire Well, he exam. is in management, you know. Right. <laughs> and so Mr. Har- Mr. Harmon starts to read out the report. This is the oldest, and he's pointing to the sideboard in Mr. Grace's office, but everyone thinks it's Goldberg. Uh, there's some dry rot in the leg, and the knob is going to fall off. Oh, my God. And Goldberg is 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 aghast. And he's so cute because he puts his hand upon his cheek like, oh, my God. Poor right. Mr. Goldberg. Of course, knob is a euphemism for, for a penis. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what about this little pretty, pretty little piece pointing to the desk? Well, it's actually thinking they think it's about Miss Brahms. <laughs> it's got a screw loose and the knockers aren't genuine. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Miss Brahms like covers her bosom. She's like, the, the right. cheek, the cheek of it all. What about the big chest? They think it's Slocum. Uh, once used by a lot of soldiers, odd things found in the drawers, plainly seen the ravages of time and there's rising damp in the bottom. Pretty hysterical that the the uh, writers were able to manufacture all of these furniture conditions yeah, and totally. tie them to what they could be about people. Right? So I, I wonder if people know what rising damp is. I think for Americans, that's kind of a a mysterious thing. So rising damp it happens in the UK. I don't think it's an American North American thing because it's such a moist country, which is a terrible word to moist. use about a country. Um, but you know their location, the Gulf Stream. Uh, it rains a lot, but it doesn't rain a lot all at once. It sort of trickles down every day, you know? So, um, and there's a lot of fog and stuff. So you can have easily have, um, especially a basement or like the corner of a bedroom, um, what's called rising damp. And it's basically like mildew bacteria, fungus or something that grows on the wall and won't go away. And there's really no – it will kind of eat away the wall. So it's something that for building maintenance um, you really have to worry about. So rising damp, um, it was always kind of a mystery to me when I was a kid. Yeah, I think like black mold or something like that. I mean it's it's common here in the States too to have uh, damp basements that require dehumidification. So mm, I just heard a, I heard a lot about it when I was in the UK. I don't know. Maybe I just hung out a lot of – crummy old places. A lot, a lot of moist places. moist <laughs> places. And then finally on to the poof, uh, <gasps> which of course they think is Humphreys. Uh, it's older than it looks, a bit saggy in the middle, worth hanging on to if you're prepared to have it stuffed to which he falls. <sighs> and the end. And the end credits. Poor Mr. Humphreys. We don't want to have him stuffed, but that's certainly what well, he speak thought. for yourself. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Sexualizing Mr. Humphreys is never a good idea. Um, so what'd you think about this episode? Like I said, there's a lot to it. I think this could have been two episodes and a maybe harder. Well, not a, no, just like two separate things. You know, maybe they, they, they do the ballet and then they could have like had more fun, like doing a ballet. Maybe they're having to perform for Mr. Grace or something silly. You know, it's a, it's a silly show. Um, I really love the idea of being naked with your coworkers, which is so weird. <laughs> um, and what they did when the, 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 the writers did at the end of the episode to equate them as furniture where that comedy comes in. It's really clever. Um, and then there's the poof. And everyone looks at Mr. Humphreys. It could have been – it's almost like the Beatles' White Album, right? I'm a big Beatles fan. It could have been two albums. 
No, that they insisted okay. on having four records. That's a lot, but it's the Beatles' White Album. You can't you can't fault it. It's it's are you being served? Strong stuff. This insurance. It's a fabulous episode, but it's a lot. I think I think this is a really good episode. I mean, I think that structurally looking at it, you know, you had you had an A plot that got resolved without a Deus Ex Machina. You Aww. didn't have someone coming in and you know saving the day at the end. There was no B story here to kind of distract us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there there were some elements that were missing. We didn't get a pussy joke this time around. No, that disappointed and, you. Um, we did get costumes though, uh, and we did get some help from the props. Um, but overall, I think this is a, a, a strong episode. I mean, I, I'm in love with all of season seven as it is, so <laughs> it's going to be hard for me to find much fault with the next couple of episodes. And I will say we did not mention, and I think we might get hate mail from the unanimous because we've trained them well, if we don't mention that Mr. Humphreys was wearing a pair of the tingling personal... We did mention it. We did because he had to strip them off when he, they got changed. Well, what the funny thing is when, when, when Mrs. Slocum admitted to the world that she was wearing a pair... Um, and that Mr. Young Mr. Grace's to um, to aides were as well. Oh, that's he right, says, the nurse and the secretary. Well, since it's all coming out, I'm wearing one too. And um, Mr. Lucas says, "Why? Why? What? Why are you wearing that? Well, it's a personal burglar alarm." And then Mr. Lucas says, "Well, go on, shake it all about." And he does this super gay little thing where he like shakes his his hips back and forth with his arms up, and he doesn't. The, the 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 bells don't sound. So then he says, oh, "Do you think someone broke in when I wasn't looking?" <laughs> it's so cute. I always so think of stupid. that. Yeah, it's so stupid. Love it. Yeah. But it was a good episode. Yep. So, Mister Mister Jeff, what are we gonna do next week? I've got squatters. Oh uh, no. We're talking about the apartment, and oh. that's the one where Mrs. Slocum has to set up her flat up on the top floor while she moves while she's in between apartments. This is probably one of my favorite episodes. This is, this is top three. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. top three. Mr. Humphreys, leave my pussy alone. <laughs> and you just cut to the entire punchline of the entire, <laughs> entire episode. Um, yeah. you, get to, you get to see the ridiculousness of her setting up her entire apartment <laughs> in the middle of the floor, right? As opposed to just like, you know, why does she need a spare bedroom? I will will say when I was 13 years old, I'm a very homey kind of person. Like I love real estate and setting up an apartment and like furniture placement. And I remember being jealous of Mrs. Slocum setting up a house. And I thought, oh, that's nice. I would love to have a little kitchen. I'd love to have a little tease made. So um, I was quite the gay 13-year-old, let's say. So there you go. So Mr. Jeff, if people wanted to reach out and share how much they love this episode, how can they do it? Well, they can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter or write us an old-fashioned email at thatdoesuitmadam, with an E, at gmail.com, or they can call the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That is 662-732-2625. If an international call would be too much for your purse strings to bear, you can always record a voice memo and email it to us. That's right. And with that, Mr. Jeff, you've all, you've all done, done very, very well. well. Thanks. Goodbye, you That Does Seat Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. The descriptions of insurance coverage are general in nature and are not a replacement for actual policy language.